On today's episode of Bite Sized, we are watching and discussing the 16th scene of the movie Twilight. For those of you watching along at home, that is from 1952 to 2050, a couple of great years. And now, on to the episode. Good evening or morning or whatever, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of Bite Size. I don't know why I'm starting this like it's the end of the episode, but I'm just going to keep rolling with it. Welcome to Bite Sized. This is a podcast where I, along with a different guest every week, am watching the Twilight movies in chronological order one scene at a time. For me, it's a labor of love, maybe. For my guests, they have no context unless they've seen the movie before. Joining me today, speaking of guests, is a writer and a comedian you could see at I.O. or Second City or any number of places, Darren Robinson. Welcome to Bite Sized. Hi, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. How's it going? How's your... It's fall now. It just started getting cool a little bit. How Are you enjoying that? I'm loving it. I broke out my jean jacket, and that is my favorite type of weather. It's jean jacket season over here. Yes. I also just made my appointments to get vaccinated for the flu okay. and COVID. So. All right. PSA. <laughs> <laughs> this is... We just got government funding for that. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Darren, I'm going to start this interview the way I start every interview here on the show, and that is by asking you what is your history with the twilight franchise i was a twihard yeah a die was, hard, a, past tense was i mean okay. yeah because it's we'll they haven't it. put out any new content since then except this except this uh-huh. exactly um which is why i had to jump on this podcast yeah. but i read all of the books in middle school uh and i watched all of the movies like midnight premiere mm-hmm. middle school through high school that was the timeline that twilight was coming out for me Makes sense. um i had a crush on jasper until i discovered interesting until I discovered that he was a Confederate soldier. Oh, no. <laughs> you couldn't have picked a worse one. Right. For context, everyone, I'm a black person. Uh-huh. So um, <laughs> would not mesh well no. with, with that guy. No. Maybe the first Team Jasper guest we've had on the show. I just liked how like quiet he was and how he was just so the way um, that he never spoke at all. Yeah, just yeah. something was very mysterious and sexy to me about that, mm-hmm. and also the fact that he was like the baby of the Collins. He was the newest one who had been turned, even though he was turned in the eighteen hundreds. Even though he was actually like maybe the first one, maybe the first one, but yeah. he also like was the most susceptible to blood stuff. That is true. He was. He's the weakest. He's the weakest. He's that's a, what I'll say. He's a fixer upper of a vampire. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense so you watched them you read them in high school in junior high is this something that you took with you into adulthood you know it's something that I look back on fondly okay and whenever I'm dating someone or I have a friend who's like I've never seen Twilight I'm like oh I will introduce you to these films when was when was the last time you watched these movies then um probably like a year ago okay with a friend who had never seen them if you had to guess lifetime how many times have you seen these movies Twilight, I had the first movie on DVD, Mm -hmm. so I watched that probably upwards of 20 times. Okay. The other ones, not as often. Okay. Do you think that makes Twilight like the movie you've seen the most? Out of all movies? Yeah. Probably top five. Okay. Yeah. All right. Nice. Well, then, you've seen this scene a bunch of times before, Yeah. and you're ready to talk about it. For the listener, here's a quick synopsis of the 57 seconds we had to work with today. Bella and Edward are talking in the hallway. That's it. Um, real, real nothing of a scene this time around. As I've said to past guests, sometimes we get 
big long scenes where a lot happens. Sometimes we get very short scenes where nothing happens. This is one of those. Bella and Edward are walking. The sharp-eyed viewer will notice that they are, Bella is carrying the golden onion from the past episode from biology class. Apparently, they did the best at biology and got to take home the golden onion. Oh, of course, because he's like over 100 years old. He's so done he, this a million times. He's done times. this before, yeah. What do you think they're going to do with the golden onion? Does she get to keep that for a week or what's the deal with that? My question is, is it a real onion that has been painted with gold in which case like you would want to throw that out pretty soon you would think that this is a question we had on the last episode is it a real onion spray spray painted gold is it fake some sort of non-organic material what do you think if it's real Mm -hmm. um i think that she should cook something with it but it's been spray painted it's Um, highly toxic now wait is it, is it spray paint toxic? Can't you just peel off the spray painted parts oh, and Darren. use the rest of the onion? <laughs> okay, A, spray paint is toxic, yes. I hate to inform you that you've been, if you've been cooking with it, you've been using it wrong. Oh. I'm pretty sure spray paint is toxic. I'm Onions do have layers, and maybe you could get to like the deep core of the onion where spray paint hasn't reached. I don't know if I'd want to risk it, though. Yeah, okay. So in that case, if it's real, I'm not cooking with it. No. If it's fake, I'm keeping it on my shelf forever. Forever, And yeah. really oh, pointing for sure. to it and being like, kids, you got to get a golden onion like mom did. But if it's real, I feel like she'd... If it's fake, I mean. I feel like she'd have to give it back to the teacher because there's no way a public school teacher is shelling out that much money for fake onion trophies. Yeah, but then I would be like, no take backsies. Is this a once a year thing? Does she have to give it back at graduation? I don't know. Does she bestow it on the next junior who Does she wins have it? to become a biology teacher now yeah. and hand it on down to the next generation? The golden onion raises more questions than it answers. It does. And for the record, I think it's a real onion that's been spray painted gold. Just because in the last scene when it's picked up, it's crinkly. Like an onion, like oh, okay. with like onion skin and stuff on it. That is a detail that I never really paid much attention to in the 20 times I've seen Twilight. You know, so. one thing when you do this show, um, you have to pay attention to all the little details because otherwise you have nothing to talk about except the big stuff. But we can't make that last a half hour. So Edward and Bella, they're walking, they're carrying the golden onion. They're just carrying on the conversation from the last scene. Why don't you move with your mother and Phil? Well, Phil's a minor league baseball player, and uh, he travels a lot. And my mom stayed home with me, but I knew it made her unhappy, so... Bella can tell that makes her mom unhappy because she doesn't get to travel to all the cool minor league baseball cities like, I don't know, Toledo. Like Bowie, Maryland. Like Bowie, Maryland. Where I'm from. I was about to say. The Bowie Bay Sox. Okay, the Bowie Bay Sox. Very nice. That is a minor league team. Bowie Bay Sox, double A affiliate of the Baltimore Orioles. There you go. There it is. All right. Could be going to all these wonderful places like, I don't know, Fresno but instead is stuck at home raising her daughter. What a pain. What an awful thing to like, at least try to hide it, that you're sad that you're stuck here with the child that you agreed to raise. Right. I feel like it's a little bit neglectful. And also, spoiler alert, later on in the series, there is a baby, Bella has a baby, Mm -hmm. and she names the baby Renesme, which is kind of a portmanteau of Renee, her Uh mother's name, and Esme, uh, Edward's mom, quote unquote, mom's Vampire name. Vampire mom. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm like, why would you name your daughter after this person who clearly does not want to be around? Yeah, <laughs> that like you could tell as a child, oh, I make her unhappy. 
my big takeaway from the scene is that Bella's going to need some pretty serious therapy as an adult. Like, yes, if her if she can tell could tell at a young age that mom doesn't like being stuck with me and I'm holding her back. That's I don't know. I, a child should not have that thought. And, no. And then to go th- through with the self-sacrifice of, well, I guess I'll move in with my dad in the middle of nowhere, Washington, so that mom can live her dream of going to, I don't know, Round Rock, Texas. And Bowie, Maryland. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of it's kind of ridiculous. And I also feel like, too, she's moving in with Charlie at, like, the worst time mm-hmm. for her to... Just because she's, like, a teenage girl. Right. And her dad, like, has not really been in her life for most of her life. And so, like... I don't I just feel like it's a very awkward time. I mean, like my dad was in my life all of my life and uh-huh. it was still an awkward time when I was 16. Yeah, absolutely. With him, you know, so I can't imagine like entering into that kind of relationship uh-huh. really delayed and being like, oh, OK, I guess I have to get to know my father at this time where he also needs to give me the sex talk. What? Yeah. And like <laughs> you've probably established somewhat of a life in Phoenix and now you've got to uproot that and make completely new friends more than halfway through the school year. It's very tumultuous. And like, I guess you'd have to do that anyway if they were moving to Jacksonville. But still, it's sort of a sort of a sad thing for her to do. And the weather, the weather is just like the change in the weather mm-hmm. is crazy, too. Would you ever move across the country because one of your parents seemed a little sad? I'm lucky that I was never put in that uh-huh. position. My parents were divorced, is, but yeah. but they lived like a half hour from and then each one other. Of them, one of them married a minor league baseball player, that, and yeah. you had to make a choice. <laughs> no, uh-huh. not, my life was not that exciting. <laughs> they worked for the federal government. It was you know bureaucracy uh, shit. But anyways, I did. Um, I never had that. Like they always lived like good. a half hour from each other. It was a thing where like especially when I started to drive, I could just like drive between my parents houses they came to all my stuff together it was very chill Mm -hmm. but would I move for one of them I mean it depends on where like if I had to move to the sticks I don't think I'd want to move to a small town definitely not I I mean we've this question comes up on the show a lot but if you're looking at Jacksonville versus Forks I feel like Jacksonville is the better of the two answers even if your mom doesn't like you Right. I mean, you got the Jaguars. You yeah, got, you do. You've got nothing else. Nothing else. Um, it's not even really that close to Disney World. No, um, but at least it's not Forks. Right. I don't know. Jacksonville, that's kind of near the Florida Georgia line, right? Yeah. Did you go to Atlanta? You could, uh, I'd say you're about as close to Atlanta as you are to Orlando. Or Tampa. You could probably go to Panama City Beach and have a great time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The more I think about it, the more it's probably for the best that Bella did move to Forks, because if she could tell at a young age that her mom was unhappy to raise her, that's probably not the healthiest household for her to be in. Right. So she phrases it as a choice that she made for her mom. But I think when she looks back, she'll realize it was a choice that she made for herself. But also unhealthy to move in with a cop. That's true. We A-cab, have established. cab means Charlie, too. Yeah, Charlie yeah. Swan is part of that. We've <laughs> talked about the bad cop work that he's done just in the 20 minutes that we've seen in this movie. I mean, s- multiple people go missing, and yeah. it's just like, wah, wah, wah. must have been uh, some kind of animal. Right. Wah, wah. We talked a couple episodes about how someone gets attacked by an animal, so he goes out to help. Like, what is he going to do? Arrest the animal? Yeah. Uh, nothing. <laughs> and really, she goes from one unhealthy situation to kind of another, because Edward, as we continue going through this scene, just asks the weirdest questions. And now you're unhappy? No. I'm sorry, I'm just... 
I'm just trying to figure you out. You're very difficult for me to read. Things that, listener, if someone says to you that you just met, maybe don't talk to that person that much anymore. Yeah, this person seems like they're trying to read you so they can maybe manipulate you or... Yeah, and just like the very intense staring. Yes. And also just like, why are you asking me about like my family life like yeah it's very it's very traumatic what she's going through and then having some like teenage boy kind of neg her and uh-huh. be like yeah well why don't your parents love you <laughs> like when like, you watched this as a high schooler were you did it did this come off as weird to you or were you like this is love <laughs> i think that twilight messed up a lot of people in our generation's perception of what romance should look like uh-huh. and what yes yeah no it's very messed up well first of all in the twilight in the books Mm -hmm. and in the first book she is reading wuthering heights by emily bronte really yeah so that's a big part of like her because a lot of the book is just filler it's a long ass book it Uh does not need to be that long most of the action happens in the last like five chapters and then most of the other stuff in the book is just yearning basically but in between classes and stuff she reads like Wuthering Heights and she's like oh yeah Catherine and Heathcliff which we know I don't know if you're familiar with the Bronte sisters but they wrote gothic literature and like this relationship is not a healthy one it's very like psychologically intense it's very broody it's very much the kind of thing where like a modern woman would be like this is toxic and unhealthy yeah But it's painted as true love. And so the fact that like this teenage girl, Bella, is reading Wuthering Heights and then looking at this creepy ass boy Mm -hmm. who's flirting with her and being like, yes, this is what I'm aspiring to is already messed up. And it's kind of it's a weird like, um, you know, like Russian dolls, how it's the nesting dolls, the nesting dolls. It's Uh so weird to me now that I think about it, because it's like Bella is emulating Heathcliff and Catherine from Uh Wuthering Heights, which is unhealthy. And then we as an audience are emulating Edward and Bella, which is also unhealthy. Uh So it's just like one toxic relationship influencing another in an infinity cycle. You know what it's like? What? It's like an onion that's been spray painted. Exactly. And you have to wonder how deep does the spray paint toxicity go? All the way oh in. Oh my God. We shouldn't cook with this onion at we, all. We should not. We should put this onion on our shelf and then give it back to Mr. Molina when he asks for it. Right. Because he has to give it to another 17 year old who, I don't know, could name all the kingdom genus phyla whatever but yeah i think i think twilight messed up a lot of people's perception of what like a good i mean he he watches her sleep at night and he's trying to read her mind which is very invasive i mean like you wouldn't let a partner read your text messages right And and i think that's where i was going with that is that we know we learn later on in the movie i'm breaking one of my rules here and i'm talking about something that doesn't happen in this scene but i do that all the time so maybe it's not so much a rule anymore um we know from later on in the movie that he can read minds but not hers it seems like such a weird direct approach to instead of figure out what's going wrong with his mind reading or just act like a normal person his approach is to just i'm just gonna go ask about everything that i would normally be able to just pick up right away edward's not very well socialized is i guess what i'm trying to get at he doesn't know how to make new friends very well and he had over a hundred years to learn 
he did, and he kind of didn't, though, because the Cullens have been isolating him and, you know, sort of keeping them on their own and moving them around towns to towns, and he has to pretend to be a new high schooler every four years or whatever. See, okay, I understand where you're coming from, being mm-hmm. like, he's been isolated, he's had to move around a bunch of times, so it's hard to, like, maintain friendships if you have to move a bunch. Yeah. But... I think about military kids, sure, military brats, and sure. how like some people who I met as a kid who had the most friends and were the most popular in our class were yeah. the ones who were the military brats because they know like I got to lock in, I got to uh-huh. make friends, I got to learn very quickly assess what the deal is at this school and yeah. figure out how to fit in. And I feel like they are the best at adapting. So it's like, why is he not? It's a little different scenario. It would be like if the military kids were told by their parents, we're going to move around a lot. And also if anyone figure, learns you're a military kid, they'll try to kill you. So keep it on the DL. Maybe that's where sort of the isolation comes in. We're really learning a lot. This scene is about unhealthy parent-child relationships on both sides on both sides and the way that that's sort of coming out in both of them where edward doesn't know how to make friends because of what the cullens have sort of raised him so to speak even though he's 100 years old and also eternally 17 or whatever i don't know and bella's relationship with her mom that she thinks is her fault this is a deeper darker episode than i really thought it was you know what and i've been you know thinking Uh about that too if he froze his body froze at 17 that means that his his prefrontal cortex never Uh fused yeah so when you're 25 your brain fully fuses together did you know that before you're 25 you have a gap in the front of your brain that's what i've heard you have a gap in the front of your brain and then it's not until age 25 that that gap fuses together and Mm -hmm. that gap that fuses gives you logic it gives you the ability to think far in advance and plan for the future like i feel like when i was in my early 20s i'd be like ah i'm gonna go out on a bender tonight and then Uh tomorrow be like oh man i had work today like why did i not think about that and then when i hit 25 i realized no I'm just going to sip on a glass of wine because I hate feeling hungover. And then the next Mm -hmm. day being like, thank you, past me, for taking care of future me. But you don't have that ability when you're 17 years old. But his brain froze. So he will never have that ability. Right. He will always be a teenager. I wish I had a golden onion to give you for knowing so much about science. That also means like, can he like then not create new neural pathways and create new like... patterns and behaviors and ways of thinking is he just like stuck eternally as the 17 year old or whatever he was dying of spanish flu in a chicago hospital you know i think we're able to form habits when we're young so i feel like he could form a habit if he wanted to but i feel like just some of the higher level thinking and planning Uh and like that kind of stuff. I feel like maybe not. I don't I, know. We need to get a neuroscientist on the show. I am to not. Really yeah. Hash this out. You're not a neuroscientist. I'm not a neuroscientist. Oh. I just know a little bit because my mom used to tease me about it. Like I. Your do. mom used to tease you about neuroscience. She used to tease me about my frontal lobe. Uh huh. She'd be like, Ah, your frontal lobe isn't fully fused yet. Yeah. Like if I do something like dumb when I was a teenager, she's like, Ah, it's okay. It's her frontal lobe isn't fused. What does your mom do? What's what's her deal? She's um a speech and language pathologist. Okay. So kind of a scientist. That would makes a sense. Scientist. She works with the brain in some way or another. Yeah, and in, in um really Broca's area, which deals with speech, but I thought you said DC. That's a good joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, the Broca Bay Sox or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um let's see. They have their sad conversations that 
really tell more about their past traumas than anything else. And then Bella stops for a second and asks, Hey, did you get contacts? No. Your eyes were black the last time I saw you and uh, like golden brown. Yeah, I know. It's the, uh, it's the fluorescence. Um. And then... I think he just sort of walks away. Mm-hmm. Can fluorescent lights do that? Because I don't know. No. I didn't think so. I don't right? think so. Yeah. Has he really never been asked this before? And has he never really thought about, maybe I should wear brown contacts all the time uh-huh. so people don't detect when my eyes are golden? But then he doesn't want to be seen as that kid who wears colored contacts and thinks that makes him cool. But he's already not cool. There's no, so many different so. reasons. I mean, to be avoided. The only reason he and his siblings are cool is because they're hot. I guess, but they're very awkward. Well, and and they're mysterious. Mm-hmm. They're because they're isolated. You know nothing about them, and you sort of want to. You're drawn in. You want to learn more about them. Right. Are you a good liar? What would you come up with? Do you think if someone asked, "Hey, your eyes used to be a different color." I feel like, what What are you talking about? You just go straight to gaslighting. I would, yeah, go straight I, to that. I think that's the best way. I think that's the best response, too. Because there's no real good explanation for, oh, sure, my eyes just wildly change color sometime. I do think gaslighting sort of is the only way you can get out of that. Yeah. Especially as a black person, if someone was like, oh, you have hazel eyes, I'd be like, yeah, I've always had hazel eyes. Black people have different color eyes. Yeah. Racist. That's, now, that's an excellent defense mechanism yeah. <laughs> that Edward doesn't have. Right. Mm. Or he could say he has some type of like albinism or something. He walks away. And I want to see if I can play this for you now. Before he walks away, when he says it's the fluorescence, he gives one of the best performances in the movie. And we're, I'm just going to play it right here, and maybe we'll keep it live. Um, he says, um. And then did you, did you catch that? Did you catch the world's littlest cough? No. <laughs> I'm going to go back. <laughs> listen, listen very close. I'm going to turn this all the way up. It's the fluorescence. Um. <laughs> It's the tiniest, like, sick kitten cough. It's like in Mean Girls where she's like, eh, 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 I'm sick. That's exactly Boo, you it. whore. This is, this is the bad line continuing. Do you think that was an involuntary reaction from the actor Robert Pattinson? Or is that Edward trying to pretend he's sick to get out of this conversation? I think he's pretending to be sick, which is awful. It's the worst <laughs> You would think if someone has lived that long that you would learn to be a better actor. You would think that. You we're we're learning a lot about Edward Cullen is that he has spent his hundred years as a vampire learning about biology and nothing about social interaction. Right. It's not a throat clearing, right? It's just a little <coughs> I'm sick. I gotta go lay down. Yeah. And he doesn't say goodbye or anything. It's just it's the fluorescence, um, tiny cough, gone. And, you know, what an exit, what an exit. But also she is equally awkward. So I feel like that is an OK social interaction for her. Certainly the best she's had in this scene so far, I guess, because she's, you know, huh, thinking about the scenes we've seen in this movie, I, I don't see any reason why she should want to speak to Edward ever again. And yet she does. And yet she does. She makes it her goal 
to talk to the one person that she should want to talk to the least because she's got friends. Yeah, but all of her friends are basic. Like she's like, I'm from the big city of Phoenix, uh-huh. Arizona. Phoenix, which is actually the number five most populous city in the country. The largest city in the state. Yeah. To Forks, which is to Forks, which somewhere is somewhere in the 20s, I think. Oh, somewhere in the. 60s (laughs) you know in terms of rank and I'm sure she's looking around and she's like all these suburban PNW hoes Uh are just so basic like I was she's probably sneaking into clubs in Phoenix by the time she was 14 like I feel like Bella Bella had not a club girl I feel like she had a weird storied past before coming to Forks and now she's had to shrink herself I also feel like Bella Mm -hmm. um, has a severe vitamin D deficiency oh for sure since moving to Forks because you notice throughout the movie she's tripping all the time and she's really Uh clumsy and the book she's described as clumsy. Yeah. But I think honestly she's clumsy because she lacks vitamin D. Can vitamin <laughs> D do that? I feel like if you lack any major vitamin, you're going to feel a little faint, a little weak in the knees. We're learning a lot about health and nutrition and biology today in this episode that I also PSA to learn about. Take your vitamins. Yeah. Take a multivitamin every day. And I promise. Hold on. Let me check my Venmo. Just got more government funding. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's very clumsy and she's also just got these weird mannerisms that I assume is the director telling her to do it. She blinks a lot. She stammers. She bites her lip a lot. I really want to do focus on the blinking in this scene, though. I counted. I went frame by frame. In this 57 seconds, she blinks 36 times. I looked it up. The average person blinks 15 to 20 times in a minute. So she's more than doubling that. So Kristen Stewart is just on another level. There's also an impressive five, five and a half second stretch where she blinks 16 times. I think it's when she's asking... Did your eyes used to be different colors? She blinks 16 times in that five and a half seconds. Who told her to do that and why? Okay. Well, as a caveat, Uh Kristen Stewart, her natural eye color is green. Okay. And so she had to wear brown contacts to play Bella. Yes, because in the book, Bella has brown eyes and brown hair. So I think that they wanted to make her character book accurate, but they also wanted to contrast her eyes with the Cullens who have these golden eyes and the bad vampires who have the red eyes. And also, you know, later in the series when... Spoiler alert, close your ears, but Uh later in the series when she does turn to a vampire, then you can see how her eyes are now a different color. Contacts are awful. Um, I wore brown contacts throughout the whole series, but then switching into the vampire ones was so much worse. I used to complain about it all the time, and Kristen was just like, what are you talking about? And then as soon as she gets stuff on, she's like, I can't do anything. So I think they chose that for costume reasons, but also I think maybe the contacts they gave her are pretty shitty because Usually, like the yeah. fact that she has to blink so much, they're probably really dry on her eyes. Like I They never... did not give her AccuView Oasis. No, definitely not. The ones I'm wearing right now, you mean? Yeah. Uh, I never considered it that way. Yeah. I never thought that maybe she had was the one with colored contacts in. And that kind of changes my performance about the movie, uh, how, how I view her performance in the movie. That doesn't really change the whole stammering and biting the lip stuff. I oh, always thought it was just an extension of that. I think it is. I think it's half and half. I think it's an extension of the stammering. Mm-hmm. I think it also helps that her contacts are really bad because then she just naturally blinks more. But her character, I mean, in the book, Bella's just so awkward. She's so awkward. So I think her embodiment of that is like, I'm going to stammer. I'm going to stutter. I'm going to trip over whatever I can. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bite my lip a bunch of times. I noticed she bites her lips strategically before she says, 
your eyes are golden brown. Like yeah. she bites her lip. And I wonder if like the golden brown is like a turn on for her and that's where the lip biting comes from. I don't know. I just wish I could have been because she was like 17 when this was being filmed. There's no way that was like these were her choices. I imagine this is just some director and acting coach telling her, no, no, more, bigger, do it weirder. Mm-hmm. And I just wish I could be there for that. Mm-hmm. I want to know what thoughts went into this decision-making process. I think by contrast, also, she has to be incredibly awkward in order to make the Cullen seem incredibly suave. Okay. Like maybe Robert Pattinson is also an awkward person. So they went to Kristen Stewart and they're like, listen, we already cast this guy. He signed the papers. He's super hot. We want to keep him. But he's very awkward. So you need to be so you need to be more awkward to out awkward his awkward. If he's supposed to be super suave, he's doing a terrible job of it. He is so far. If you had to give this scene a name, what would it be? And this is also going to be the name of the episode. So make it good. Fluorescence. Wait, no. No. That's we're a bad starting name. over. We're start over. Um, a good name for this scene is um Aaron Sorkin Walk and Talk. Aaron Sorkin. Because it is it is Sorkin-esque. Yeah. Aaron Sorkin loves doing those scenes where people are like uh-huh. walking and talking. And yeah, the Aaron Sorkin walk and talk. Writer of the West Wing and yeah. Child of Chicago 7 and a bunch of stuff. He does love a walk and talk. And this is very walking and talking. There's a lot of people in the background doing the same thing right a lot of great high schoolers just pretending to be high schoolers in this one. Oh, there's a there's a black guy who puts on a jacket uh-huh. and it, he does an incredible job with it especially because i'm like wow you are believably a black guy living in the pacific northwest is he today's extra extra he's today's extra extra there's, there's a segment i've done it a few times called extra extra ben drop the theme in right now Extra Extra is devoted to finding the most extra extra Mm -hmm. in a given scene. It's someone who has no lines that is doing something they've clearly not been told to do, and they're just sort of making a strange choice. And so I take it you mean... You mean that guy back there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's looking around. He's uh-huh. looking around. He's, got he's his adjusting jacket. his jacket. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's just gone. And then I also do want to shout out uh, this guy in sort of the brown jacket back here, who's about seven feet tall. I think he's the same guy we see earlier in the movie, just taking the biggest hit off an inhaler you've ever seen. <laughs> um, truly my favorite extra in the movie so far. But that's it. That's today's extra extra. So we got Aaron Sorkin walk and talk. We got a last minute extra extra. And let's start to wrap this thing up. Let's land this plane. Darren Robinson, if people like the sound of your voice and want to hear it more, maybe in person or on your Instagram stories, uh, where can they do that? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Darren, D-A-R-Y-N underscore to dream, the number two dream. So Darren to dream. And you can Incredible. also see me at uh, Shamilton most Fridays at 8.30 at Second City. It's an improvised hip-hop musical where you pick who we do the musical about. And it's like a Hamilton-style musical, but about, you know, Betty Crocker or <laughs> Shrek or whoever you wanted to, or Edward Cullen or whoever. Edward Cullen could be one. I yeah. really would like to do Edward Cullen, the hip-hop musical. So if you come to Shamilton Fridays at 8.30 at Second City, we will do that for you. I also do Improvised Jane Austen. 8 o'clock on Saturdays at I.O. Is that why you walked into my apartment carrying a Jane Austen book? Yes, I'm reading yeah. Persuasion right now. <laughs> Research or just for fun? I always, I reread her books about once a year. Okay. She's got 
got six novels. They're really easy to get through. Super fun. There you go. A little recommendation for the listener. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking of recommendations, I recommend that you tell a friend about this show. If you like it, if you had a good time, subscribe to it on your podcatcher of choice. Review it. Give it five stars or whatever. Make the algorithm work for us. Make it easier for other Twilight fans to find out about it and listen to it. If you want to follow the show on social media, you can do so at BitesizedPod underscore on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're listening to this, it is the first week in October, which means I've posted at least one TikTok to that account. Good job, me. You can also email the show if you have thoughts about blinking or neuroscience. You can email the show at my favorite twilight podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's my favorite twilight podcast at gmail.com. It's long and hard to say, but everything else was taken. You can also follow me personally at benabear.com where you can find all about the shows that I do in Chicago and stuff like that, but I've said enough. It's time to wrap this thing up. Thank you so much to my editor, Ben Oksher, for putting this all together and dropping in the world's tiniest cough. Thank you to the band Swimwear Department for the use of their song Mauled to Death as our theme. That is it. That is another episode of Bite Sized in the Books. Thank you so much for listening. And as we always say at the end of every episode... What do I say? Literally anything. Anything? Literally anything. Literally anything. You took it quite literally. Literally anything. See you next time. It's the, uh, it's the fluorescence, um...